0: Hi, everybody. Today, I'm speaking with Eddie. Eddie's parents moved from South Korea and settled in Hawaii, where he grew up. After almost 40 years in the U.S., they recently told him they're moving back to South Korea. Eddie was caught off guard, and their decision is making him question what his family's hard work and sacrifice really mean. Let's get into it.
1: My name is Eddie Kim. I'm a features writer with Mel Magazine. And I'm Korean and I grew up in Hawaii. And when I was a kid, I called my mom and dad, Oma and Appa. I was actually born in Bakersfield, California. It was part of my parents' story in America where they had come in 1980, um, well, actually 79 or so, and really hit some success running some small businesses after a few couple hard years of working different part-time jobs. And it was always the stream of my parents ended end up in Hawaii, one of the, the few places where Asians have a majority in the population, which makes it culturally pretty special. It was strange because even in Hawaii, we stuck out. My parents didn't speak great English. My dad was much better because he was sort of the, the front man for the business. And when they got to Hawaii, it was their dream to open a, a takeout sushi franchise. When I was growing up, it really did feel like, in a lot of ways, the American dream. There were the kinds of people who worked 80-hour weeks. You know, I never saw the struggle growing up. The struggle was really the amount of work they did and the fights they they got into over money, over life decisions, just stress. And um, I see that now. <laughs> my dad in his very nonchalant kind of way called me up and he was like, you know, um, we're thinking of buying a condominium in Korea. And I thought, oh, as, as an investment? And he was like, no, for your mom and I to live there. <laughs> so it wasn't, like a, it wasn't like a moment of, hey, Eddie, let's sit down. What do you think about this decision? It was just, I know my parents, I love my parents. They know that I would overthink it if I got involved in the decision making, oh my gosh, I mean, what about the future? What does that mean? What does that entail? My heart and gut response was that this was a disaster, like a tragedy. After all this time, 20 years in Hawaii, sending me you know, through private school, through you know, university, and then for them to be like, yeah, the experiment is now done. We are pleased with the results. And the whole framing is we did this for you. And I'm just like, gosh, Should you have done it for me? What I imagined growing up was, you know, my parents are going to make it big. They're going to be rich and comfortable. And then they're going to just be able to buy like a dope house, like maybe an hour away from me. That's good. I don't want them down the block. I don't want an everybody loves Raymond situation. Listen, it's not like I didn't feel or understand that my parents felt like they didn't fit in. It's not like they had a big network of either other koreans or you know just people that they were close to you know um our relatives um many of them obviously are still in korea so it makes sense for them to find a comfortable um sunny place in korea they're they're moving um to an island off of the south shore it's just strange for me because at once i'm excited oh i'll be able to take my partner or my, you know, hypothetical kids, and we'll be able to be so immersed in the culture that I love so much. But then again, it's just the reality of, oh my gosh, I'm not going to get to see them very often. It's that debate, right? Like I want to be by my parents, but do they deserve to be in their homeland and like spend their golden years reuniting with the culture that they left behind? Absolutely. Am I torn up about that and feel almost excluded? Yes. Yes, I do. I am an only child, no siblings. Um, And so really, it feels like they poured all of their labor just into me. And now I'm standing here like, well, what am I supposed to do with it? I got the freedom. I got the education that they dreamed of. I made it to a point where they now think, you'll be good. You'll be okay. Which is a a great honor. That's incredibly flattering to me because I'm like, hmm check with me next Tuesday and I'll give you an answer on how well I think I'm doing. And so I think it's just a transitional phase right now. Ironically, the onset of the pandemic did give me a trial run for what it feels like to to know that they're right there, but also out of reach. Now I'm planning on a, a visit to Hawaii finally. It's just bizarre because I'm like, oh my goodness, will this be my last Christmas in the paradise that I called home and that my parents, uh, it was going to be their resting place? You know, they bought rural plots and they sold them. (laughs) They made some money off of it. I mean, talk about the symbolic becoming literal. I don't know what will happen. I know that this is good for them, but I also know that it will be very hard. When I go visit them, I think the most important thing that I want to express is there is nothing I can say or do that can express my appreciation for how much they did in this damn country. It's just such a crazy arc for them to have lived through all of this. And I just wish that they could have had more fun doing it. America was a fight and a great one.
0: What's up, everybody? I'm Steve Lewis, a licensed psychotherapist and host of How to Talk to High Achievers About Anything. I'm excited to share big news. How to Talk to High Achievers About Anything is back. This time, I'll be joined by a very special person, someone whose name you know very well. Hi, everybody. I'm Juleika Lantigua, founder of LWC Studios. Welcome, Juleika. I'm so excited. And by the way, I'll be taking notes. So many notes. As always, on the show, we get to hear stories from Black and Brown folks who are out there doing great and amazing things. Then I do my thing of offering some feedback and strategies to help us navigate personal and professional challenges. Together, we'll figure out how to achieve on our own terms. Subscribe to or follow How to Talk to High Achievers about anything everywhere you listen to your favorite podcast. On Twitter and Instagram, you can follow the show at Talk to Achievers. From KPBS and PRX, Port of Entry is back. This season features cross-border stories about artists and musicians turning pain into superpowers. A kid caught smuggling drugs through the U.S.-Mexico border becomes an artist and designer. Carlos Santana's best friend, musician Javier Batiz, turns down mega fame for family and community. Port of Entry, a narrative documentary podcast, offers cross-border stories that connect us all. Visit portofentrypod.org or listen on Apple, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, everybody. I'm Julie Calantigua, the creator and executive producer of How to Talk to High Achievers About Anything. And I'd like to invite you to be a guest on the show. Every episode, we talk to Black and brown folks striving to do big things and looking for ways to level up. Licensed psychotherapist, Devon Lewis, offers feedback about aspirational challenges we all face. Things like imposter syndrome, perfectionism, and especially how we define success. We'd love to hear about your triumphs and where you still trip up sometimes. Send our producer, Virginia, an email so she can get your story on the show. She's at virginia at lwcstudios.com. As we spoke, it was so clear that Eddie's story is full of joy and heartbreak. On the show, we often talk about why our families come to the U.S. But what about when they decide to leave after living entire lives here? How can First gens process the news? And how can we prepare for a long-distance family life we never expected to have? You know I called it an expert.
2: My name is Sarah Hedy Moon, she, her pronouns. I am a Korean uh, immigrant, queer uh, psychologist practicing in private practice currently and as a consultant as well around uh, DEI issues um, and instructor and writer as well. You heard Eddie's testimony. What did you hear as you listened? He had a beautiful way of holding the tension of so many different feelings he's feeling at once. He talked about loss. He talked about being grateful for his, his parents and all that they've sacrificed for him. The joy he feels that his parents get to go back to Korea and be immersed in that again, but also a sense of loss for himself and what he thought his life would look like with his parents as they got older. So he described his experience and his uh, reactions and emotions in a very nuanced and complex way. Yeah.
0: I also was really paying attention to the, the themes of joy and loss as I was talking to him. So can you zoom out a little bit for us and talk about what is it that is both... Joyful in this, in the ability of a parent to do this, in the ability of a child to be independent? And then what is is it that we lose when something like this happens? I'll
2: start with the loss piece. Um, I think the experience of being an immigrant or a child of an immigrant is that grief and loss is just inherent and kind of weaved, interwoven throughout one's life. There is kind of the loss of what is, what could have been um, lost time. I think, f- especially for children of immigrants who are so accustomed to work hard, keep going, pursue career, pursue financial stability. You know, that's the reason why Eddie's parents moved uh, to the US. It's easy to get caught up in that and not pause for a moment. And this is a moment for Eddie where he is able to pause and describe moments where we're reminded of uh, the hopes and the dreams that our parents had. Um, yeah. Like they're whole people outside of being our parents. It's yeah. always shocking to discover that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Especially when they're communicating to us that they are doing this for us. That's their whole goal. That's why they moved to the U.S. That's why they're working so hard, long hours. And we forget that they are human with their own desires and dreams and I think the joy, in going to the joy piece is, you know, they must have worked very hard. Um, I don't think it's just about hard work. I'm sure there were other aspects that allowed them to succeed enough to be able to afford a condo back in Korea and for Eddie to be in a place where it isn't a huge crisis for them to move back. Um, so there's joy in that and recognizing, oh, my parents can really enjoy the rest of their life where they feel most comfortable and
0: at home. One of the things that this impending separation and the impending move back to South Korea has done for Eddie is giving him a deeper context for understanding his parents' American dream. And he's become very doubtful about whether that concept is even acceptable or relevant anymore. Do you hear things like that or conversations like that when you talk to your clients, like at moments of big changes and transitions, do they start to think about, well, we've been in pursuit of this mythological American dream? You know, what I
2: hear mostly or most often is that they recognize that the American dream isn't what they thought it would be pretty early on, not at towards the end but they're, you know, they've had time to grieve and to recognize that it's not that easy to reach the American dream. And it wasn't as, uh, rosy as they maybe thought it might be, or the success wasn't as big as they might be. I think that's where the children start to take on that dream of, okay, I want to do better or succeed even more for my parents because they you can only reach a certain level of success.
0: Yeah, he alludes to that. And it was really interesting because the way that he talked about it was to say, you know, if if they've been yearning to go back home, if they've been yearning to do this thing for themselves and they stayed so long and they sacrificed so much for me, was it even worth it? Should they have even done that?
2: That is such a hard question. I became really curious about how his parents would narrate or tell their experience. And there's something really beautiful about, you know, Asian culture, but current culture is that there's so much that's unspoken or unsaid. And whether that's due to language barrier or feelings not being processed verbally, that's not the norm. You really start to master this intuitive communication, uh, especially between parent and child. I think that's a blessing and a curse uh, because you can start into it, intuiting one's needs, but you don't really know what our parents are thinking or feeling or what they've gone through. And so it made me curious. I wonder what kind of relationship Eddie has with his parents, whether he'd be able to ask them, was it worth it? All right. So I have a couple of questions that are really more
0: about you thinking forward, because for kids of immigrants like me, a lot of our identity is tied to how we are reflected in our parents, especially if we immigrated with our parents at a young age. We have that bonding experience of we were transplanted. And so when I was thinking and listening to Eddie's uh, testimonial after, I was wondering, well, how is his identity going to change, right? If he doesn't have that constant reminder of who he is, where he comes from, how he was raised. And so I I would love to hear your thoughts on that.
2: Yeah, I already feel a sense of loss for him. Um, And I'm kind of remembering an interaction I had with my own um, uh, last week where she made me one of my favorite Korean dishes that I don't know how to make. And I said, it's so delicious. It's so delicious. And she's like, I'll make you more because I know you can't make it. And as long as I can make it for you, I want to make it for you as much as I can. And even just that, you know, the food, those are small things, but a huge reminder um, of our parents and you know our own culture, where we belong, where we come from. Um, so not having moments of that, you know, is he gonna go find his favorite dish somewhere else? But there's something different about having it coming home to it, having it prepared. Uh, yeah, so I already feel a sense of loss for him and even the language piece. I'm not sure if he is fluent in Korean, um, but there's something about. He, You know, him talking about wanting his future kids to be around his parents and language is a huge part, too. Yeah.
0: And so my last question to to you is any suggestions you have about how first gen, second gen, when they are facing this impending separation or when there will be huge physical distance between people. And I guess the pandemic has helped us think that and, and act that through. What are some of the ways that we can maintain sort of like that emotional connection, that spiritual being spiritually tethered to one another, right? Because that's what closeness does to you. That's part of why your mom making that dish that you love is so important because it's part of that you're emotionally tethered to
2: her and no one can make it just like that. Yeah, I think it requires or it's going to require a lot of intentionality. Um, Seeking friendships or communities that help you remind Uh, yourself of your own culture whether it's through food or celebrating holidays Um, and I think visiting if they have the financial means to do so to visit parents as often as they can and immersing themselves in uh, the motherlands too is going to be an amazing experience that they can really internalize and bring back with them when they come back to the States, but it really does take an intention to make an effort to continue to connect with their own culture as a way to connect with, uh, with our parents. Um, the more you do for yourself in engaging with your own culture, the more you have to talk, you know, things to talk about with your parents, ways to connect with them. Uh, it, it creates that bridge when they feel so far away. Sarah, thank you so much. Thank you so, so much. Thank you for having me here.
0: All right. Here's what we learned from Sarah today. Celebrate and grieve. During times of transition, take a pause to acknowledge the losses your family has lived through and sit with the joy change can bring. Consider their version Your parents' experiences in the U.S. are certainly different from yours. Knowing how they tell their story can help you get a fuller picture of what it has all meant. And remember, connect intentionally. Spend time with friends and other people close to you who can help you stay engaged with your culture and traditions, even when your parents are far away. Thank you for listening and for sharing us. How to Talk to Mommy and Papi About Anything is an original production of LWC Studios. Virginia Lora is the show's producer. Kojin Tashiro is our mixer. Manuela Bedoya is our social media editor. I'm the creator, Julie Calantigua. On Twitter and Instagram, we're at Talk to Mommy Papi. Please follow us and rate us on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Pandora, Spotify, anywhere you listen to your favorite podcasts. Bye, everybody. Same place next week.